The Book Guys Show is brought to you by hollowbooks.com, where they create custom-made hollow books so you can hide just about anything. Choose a book, they do the rest. This is the Book Guys Show. My name is Paul Elvis, and joined all the way from North Carolina, as usual, by my good friend. Do you want me to play the, the thing there, Jimmy? Nah, that's okay. All right, we'll skip. I that. don't need. I don't need a thing. All I need is to <laughs> hear your voice again. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's a it's a great day to talk about books, audio books, podcasts, and dramas, and and uh, Netflix. And I think we got uh, we got the whole gambit today. I do. We yeah. have, we got a we got a, a guest here, three thousand miles away. That's right, Mister. It's a giant triangle of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that is. It is sort of a triangle. Is, uh, is it a scalene or is it isosceles? Well, hopefully today it's a beery triangle. It's a series of tubes, and uh, that is the, the the voice of Mr. Drew Beecham, home brewer and author. Uh, I, I first uh, I first heard of Drew when I was looking for a uh, uh, something some kind of book that would let me uh, create some decent cider, and uh, I tell you, it does what it, it says on the tin, on the tin. Everything hard cider was the, the one that I read first from you, Drew. But I hear you have a new book out. Yeah, I do. Uh, Homebrew All-Stars uh, huh. that I did with my uh, my co-author of my last couple books and also my podcast co-host, uh, another fellow homebrewer by the name of Denny Kahn. Very nice. And what is Homebrew All-Stars all about? What can we find inside? Well, so... Uh, we got uh, we got sick and tired of kind of uh, writing the same sort of homebrewing book. You know, everybody wants you to write a book where it's like, "This is how you brew beer." Blah 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 right, blah right. blah. <laughs> um, because uh, I've written that book, and I've written the advanced version of that book, and uh, quickly start to run out of things to say along that lines. But what we realized is, uh, homebrewers and brewers in general, you go and you talk to them, and you can have five homebrewers in a room, ask them how to do something get back 10 responses about how to do it, seven of which are possibly right. <laughs> and two of them are yelling at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're doing this wrong or you're doing this great or, no, don't worry about it, man. And so I've always been a big fan of the idea that you learn brewing best by brewing with others and brewing and doing brewing, right? Right. So when I first joined my homebrew club and when I started homebrewing back in 1999, which now sounds so long ago, uh, even though it wasn't, um, I did something very uncharacteristic for myself, which was I started to invite myself over to other members of the club's houses when they were brewing. Now, I'm not that guy, but apparently I was this guy <laughs> about brewing. And I ran around and I must have brewed 15, 20 different batches of beer with different people and took lessons from each of those people, like different things that they did. Uh, some were good lessons that have still stuck with me to this day about like sanitation and how to treat your yeast. Others are bad lessons, like don't stick your finger in a running mill or, right. uh, don't do shots of tequila and martinis while you're still brewing. Yeah. <laughs> I got to imagine that learning from someone else's mistakes is a real feather in your cap. It is. You know, you got you got to think, you know, it's far less risk for you. Uh, That's right. But so that was one of, that was one of my gr greatest 
loves about the first part of the hobby when I was first learning was was doing that sort of thing. And I'm very fortunate that I'm part of a very big, very old homebrew club. So we have lots of active brewers, and there are lots of people that I can kind of go knock on their door and go, dude, you brewing? Um, <laughs> and, but not everybody has that advantage, and also not everybody has the advantage of being able to reach out to, to find big, well-known names or people who are doing a lot of really interesting things. So Denny and I sat down, and we decided, okay, well, you know what? Hey, we're going to, we're, we're going to find a group of homebrewers that we can put together that it, and we want them to, we want to interview them, we want to put together profiles of these people so that it sounds like you've been spending a day brewing with them. So you find out about how they brew, what they like to do, uh, you know, all of the, sort of the good things that you would talk about over beer. But also, most importantly, we asked all of them to say, okay, hey, give us a lesson. What would be something I would learn from you if we were brewing together that isn't hey, make sure you uh, do a yeast starter. Right. Because we already covered that in the front of the book. (laughs) So that was the whole idea for the book. And we ended up uh, gathering together uh, 25 homebrewers from around, actually, uh, the world, not just uh, North America, and uh, did all this work. And we did psychological research, and we put together psychological profiles. And, yeah, it was fun. It was was a chance to explore uh, some different subject matter. How long have you been homebrewing, uh, Drew? Uh, I started homebrewing in, in 99, so whatever that is now, 17 years. 17 years. Wow. What was your first brew? What, what do you think is the easiest thing someone can brew as they're on their first time? Uh, th- okay, so easiest thing is different than the first thing I, I brewed. Okay. Easiest thing, <laughs> I think, is making a stout. You know, making, it, making a big, fat, rich, juicy stout. And that's mostly because you have... Uh, depending, as long as you're not trying to say, I'm going to make Guinness my first time out the door, right. <laughs> uh, and you're willing to you're willing to kind of make some bigger, meatier, and chewier, I think a stout is great because a stout gives you so much room to hide. Yeah, you got coffee and chocolate and hops and booze in it, and that kind of tends to hide all the mistakes that beginners make. So, yeah, you you can you can screw up a lot on on a stout. I mean, I, I've I've done I've like accidentally put in twice as much coffee as I wanted in a coffee one. It still came out fine. <laughs> yeah, they they are they are fairly idiot proof. Uh, now, having said that, you if you spend any time working at a homebrew shop, and I I volunteered sometimes at my homebrew shop when I got bored. I don't have enough time to be bored anymore. Um, but I would volunteer there and help out, and inevitably you get. First time brewers come in and going, yeah. So hey, I want to make like a, a Budweiser, right? And be like, uh, you know, it's a lot cheaper and a lot easier for you to go next to the next door to the convenience store and go buy a case. Yeah, and, uh, and I, that's that's one thing uh, that in Canada is a little bit different because I mean, when your cases of beer cost you sixty four dollars, you know, homebrewing is more appealing to to Canadians than I think that it is to to U.S. citizens. Well, well the laws different. Well, no, just our, our beer is so much more expensive. And all, our no, alcohol. I mean, uh, as far as well, how much beer you can brew. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I We can brew quite a bit. It's, it's, I, don't, I can't remember exactly how much now, but it's, it's, a, it's enough that I don't have enough basement space. So. Well, and, and plus, how often is somebody actually uh, checking on how much you make? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I used to go in college. I went to college in Boston, and I would go visit friends in, in Montreal because, hey, why not? Uh, and yeah, the big thing they were always asking us for was, "Hey, can you smuggle us in some whiskey and some beer because you get like super cheap?" 
Right. <laughs> yeah. We re- I recently made a, what I like to call sh- champagne or champagne, which which is just a, a couple cans of you know, white grapefruit frozen concentrate, <laughs> so some yeast and uh, thyme and some priming sugar, and then <laughs> and I actually I did a blind taste test, and apparently it's better than when when it's served ice cold. It's better than baby duck. Well, there you go. And <laughs> as long as you're serving it blind and not becoming blind by it. No. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, it, this is one of those things that that always amazes me. Is that you get people who are very uh, virulently anti-alcohol. And right. it's like, you know, it's, it's a bad thing. You know, you shouldn't blah, blah, blah. I'm like, going, have you seen how easy it is to make it just happens? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, there's always something uh, to be said about that that first time that you you know, throw yeast into whatever. It could be bread or, you know, beer or wine. And, and you know, a couple of weeks later, or in the case of bread, you know, a day later, you have a finished product. That's well, got to be Jimmy scratching in the background. I think that's that Jimmy's making some hollow books, I think. <laughs> well, look, fermentation, I think to me, is one of the the most accessible forms of magic that humanity has ever captured. Now. It's a thing. It's a thing that wants to happen, and it's a thing that we can that we figured out fairly well how to control. Amazing. So, uh, your first book was, uh, I believe, that was Everything Homebrewing. Yep, yeah, Everything Homebrewing, and then followed by Everything Hard Cider, and then Experimental Homebrewing, and then Homebrew All Stars. You're covering o- almost all of it. I mean, yeah, I'm uh, to. are are you uh, interested at all in uh, in uh, spirits? Is that something that you'd be interested in doing, uh, yeah. or is it just state law preventing you, maybe? Or yeah, it's it's one of those things where uh, you know I've had the cops called on me enough for homebrewing, right? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not kidding. Everywhere I've ever lived since I've become a homebrewer, at some point in time, I've had a visitation from uh, Officer Friendly asking me, uh, "So, hey, are you distilling?" Right. And <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always been in a good position to say, "No, no, I'm not." Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm utterly fascinated by all yeah. things fermentation related. Uh, I've done, I mean, aside from distilling, which I've helped with, but never actually run on my own, uh, I've pretty much done most everything I've, I've been able to figure out. So that's, yeah, beer, wine, cider, sake, uh, kombucha, uh, different meads, different, uh, you know, different, different sorts of anything that you can ferment. Sauerkraut, uh, kimchi. <laughs> yep. It's, yeah, kinda, it's, it's you can actually brew accidentally, but oh, oh yes, <laughs> but you can't you can't distill accidentally and really say that happened. Well, yeah. yeah you know, one thing with with learning the brewing process and how uh, fermentation works, you really start to pay more attention to uh, keeping things sanitary. Mm-hmm. Like uh, your your fridge ends up, you know, a little bit different. Maybe the containers change or. Maybe you're using a little star sand on, on it once in a while. Yeah. I don't know. That's oh, just no, me, I, maybe. Are you coming <laughs> in? My dishes have never, my, my dishes, my pots, my pants have never been so clean since the day I discovered, your, uh, discovered uh, homebrewing cleaners out there like, yeah. you know, say, uh, PBW. P- PBW, or, you can dunk anything in it. Uh, at most, you got to leave it, let it soak for a day and it'll be clean. Yeah, well, <laughs> and recently I've, I've been using Craftmeister's uh, uh, Alkaline Brewery Wash, which is kind of like a a homebrewer safe version of caustic okay and i haven't found anything that stuff won't take off um am i supposed to be wearing gloves when i handle that stuff by the way 
PBW is fairly safe. Uh, I know you're not supposed to put PBW or like star sand on your hands, but I find that when your hands are greasy from PBW, all you got to do is spray them with a little star sand. Yeah, funny how that works. Where, where do you keep the star sand in your house? Do you keep it in a star sand hutch? No. <laughs> star, oh, <laughs> hey, oh, man, I got to give you one of these. Ding, ding, go boom, boom, the Star Sand Hutch, very nice, very nice. Now, Star Sand is, a, is an acidic cleaner. I believe it's phosphoric acid, and it's it's similar. Uh, it's the same acid that's in your Coca Cola. So I figure it can't be that bad. I mean, if you if if you do dilute it right in the water, I mean, I wouldn't drink a shot of the concentrate. That's for sure. I've never I've never drunk a shot of it. I have actually ingested a little bit of it. Oh, I'm sure we have over the years. I mean, uh, it's it's all that stuff is used in breweries, and I'm sure that they're not as careful as I am when I'm, you know, cleaning my bottles. <laughs> now, uh, did you start out brewing like I did with a plastic Mister Beer barrel? And wh- no, what do you think I, of that thing? I I started off with a, a plastic five gallon bucket, so I went kind of with the bigger, you know, less packaged version of Mister Beer. Um, I think Mister Beer is fine. I think. I, I, a lot of people choose to bag on extract and you know, say, oh, extract makes terrible beers. And I mean, really, when you come down to it, that's what Mr. Beer is, right? It's extract beer just right. in a fancy container. Um, but what I always like to tell people whenever they start to sort of rag on, uh, on extract is it's not actually the extract that makes terrible beer. It's the new brewer who's using the extract who tends to make terrible beer. Right. Um, and in fact, I will still go back, uh, from time to time when I need additional beer for something and I just don't have the time, you know, which happens all the time nowadays. Uh, and I will go and I'll make a very simple extract batch. I don't ask extract to do something I don't think it can do. So I won't try and make a Pilsner out of it. Right. But, uh, really to me, I think if people would be surprised once you know your basics of fermentation, you know, your basics of temperature control, you know, your basics of sanitation, just how good the beer can be that you can make out of extract. I have a friend yeah. who, I have a friend who's been brewing for for thirty years, and he makes nothing but extract beer, and they're fantastic. Yeah, well, I, the second batch of Mister Beer I made was a red lager that was supposed to be on the on the order of like a Killian's, and <laughs> I can still remember how wonderful that beer was. And then I put the kit away, and got it back out later, and. The seals on it were were messed up, and I started to make a batch, and it all leaked out, and I never made beer again. Uh, all you need is Home Depot. They got the buckets, five bucks, and they're food grade. Oh, oh they're expensive. <laughs> for, uh, they're expensive up around here. They're like three bucks per round. Hey, no, nice. <laughs> the, the the Home Depot buckets are food grade. Yeah, Believe yeah, those uh, those Homer buckets. Yeah, wow. Um, I I still get a little strange about using them that way. I uh, although, admittedly, I do store about. Uh, 700 pounds of grain in my garage. So, yeah, <laughs> wow. most, most of it in buckets like that. I, uh, I imagine uh, that you got to keep some mouse killer around. Yeah, I have a I have a giant colony of feral cats that live uh, right outside my brewery. So that's why I'm that's nice to the the, uh, the cats go. outside my house because you know what I, I say better cats than rats. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I have had, I have had the mouse problem before, but then I switched up to. All, all the grains stored in plastic buckets, and they're all stored behind these fancy gamma uh, lids, kind of like what you find on the Vittel vaults. 
And the rats so far have not figured out how to get through those things. So, yay. I may have actually uh, outsmarted a rodent. Hey, and Drew, while we still have some time with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your podcast? Sure. Uh, Yeah, it's Experimental Brewing with uh, Denny Kahn. And it's based off the idea of uh, experimental home brewing that we did uh, as our original collaboration. And the idea is it's basically Denny and I who together we have about 40 years of home brewing experience. So we've both been brewing for a while, and Denny mm-hmm. Denny's well known on the internet for basically being uh, everywhere, answering everybody's questions at all times. He's sort of most famous for having promulgated uh, batch sparging. But uh, what he and I do is sort of uh, mythbusters for mythbusters for homebrewing, and that was the, kind of one of the points of the of the book. That's the point of the podcast. We have. Uh, brewers around the world, uh, I think so far the farthest flung one has been in Sweden, who take up these experiments that we that we put together, and we have teams of brewers in different sites doing one of these experiments, and then they go and they do triangle tests where they do blind taste tests and they actually teach run people through the test, and they record the results and they report those results back to us, and we pull all those results together and see, okay, is there something here? So a great example of that was right. the one that we just did. Homebrewers being cheap are trying to figure out how to get away with not doing oxygen in their beers, right? You know, do mm-hmm. I have to aerate this, or is there a better way that I can do it or a cheaper way? Yeah. And so they all latched onto this study that was done out of New Belgium about using olive oil to replace uh, oxygenation. Uh, now, mm-hmm. never mind that they didn't actually read how New Belgium was using it. They just figured out, oh, I can take a, a needle, dip in some olive oil, and drop a single drop into a 5-gallon or 20-liter batch of beer, and that will replace the the need for oxygen because all the sterols will come in from the olive oil. Um, so we sent this out and we said, okay, Igors, those are the names of our uh, our brewers, independent group of researchers, so nice. the Igors. Uh, and the Igor Corps uh, took it up and we gave them a recipe and a, a protocol. And they did this where it was 50 microliters of olive oil, which is the maximum amount that you're supposed to do in a five-gallon batch, and versus no aeration whatsoever. Right? So this should be the best case scenario. If olive oil really does something, it should really show up there right. when, the other, when the other portion isn't aerated at all. Uh, they went off and they did their test, and it came back completely busted. Olive oil does not allow you to replace oxygen. It has no difference in impact in comparison to, say, no aeration. And that's what we're doing with the podcast. We're doing that. We're exploring beer history. We're exploring uh, wackadoodle ideas, things that I do, uh, like uh, clam chowder saison. Uh, we're just having fun, and we're uh, talking beer. You know, it's another two dudes on uh, on the interwebs uh, trying to convince our wives that our hobby actually uh, means something. Yeah, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> and it quickly it quickly takes 14, up space. Going back about what uh, six months now, right? Yeah, we started. We launched in November. Uh, yeah, episode fourteen's out now, uh, and episode fifteen is in, in, in next week. So it, we release every other week. Well, I think we've got a few a few more subscriptions right here at the table. Yeah, I'm already done. I'm on there. Season of the Bruce, Olive Oil and Black Man. Yep. We'll, we'll so get yeah, Sir, it, Sir Jimmy it, will be brewing so cider in no time. Well, yeah. What's great is we're, we've kind of we've kind of developed a structure for the show, which is kind of weirdly awesome. I didn't expect that we would do that so quickly. But we, we're we trying to reach out to find uh, interesting brewers and home brewers in particular to talk to in addition to the science stuff that we're doing. And so that l- the latest episode 
is where we announced an experiment that we're going to do about saisons, which is my favorite beer style and something I'm well known for. And I'm having people actually go test a protocol that I've put together in years past to deal with the sort of dreaded saison stall. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the episode is actually me getting a chance to interview one of these guys in my homebrew club that I went and brewed with and who was really one of my brew mentors, a guy named Bruce Broad. And the idea there is really, hey, let's present some different homebrewers, people that you haven't necessarily heard about, you know, not not to bag on like the, the big names that are out there, but we've heard from the big names before. Uh, let's get some smaller names in here, like the people who have a lot of great stories and a lot of great knowledge, but aren't necessarily like the big self-promoters, right? right and so right. get them on there, get them talking, and, and get some of their stories down on tape so that uh, we can all learn from that experience. Fantastic. Uh, Drew, thank you so much for, uh, for your time today. Well, thank you. I'm hoping to put together an all-brew episode at some point in the future, and hopefully you'll come back and, and, and join us for the whole show. Absolutely. I, I know you got a three-and-a-half-hour drive home now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. It's been that before. In Los Angeles, I, I wouldn't be surprised. If you're anywhere so I'm sitting there. here going, gosh, it's 8.30. How bad can traffic be? <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's no, more it's... like 5.25. Yeah, time zone. It, it, it is, but also I will tell you right now, I have – Driving around here in LA, I have run into traffic, yeah, you know, on the freeway at four in the morning on a on a Sunday, yeah, and you're just looking around, going, "Why?" Everybody are, had the same oh, idea. Yeah, it's like, "Why? What? No, people, go away!" But no, there's always traffic, so yeah, it's fun. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, we appreciate it, and look forward to maybe having you back sometime. And we'll be listening to the podcast and. Um, uh, do you have a, a, a Twitter handle or anything that you guys use? Yeah, uh, our Twitter handle. Uh, our Twitter handle. Yeah, the tweeter, the twiddle. The twiddle yeah, is uh, ex- uh, Experimental Brew. And uh, we also, uh, Denny and I are also both very uh, active on Facebook where you can find us at Experimental Brewing. Uh, and, of course, our website uh, has all the calls to action, all the write-ups and all the links to the episodes and everything else. And, Right now, I think you can find our podcast in most of the major places. Hi, this is Bernard Robichaud. I play Cyrus on the Trailer Park Boys, and you're listening to The Book Guys. Hi, this is Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett from the first Star Wars trilogy. Come and read my book. Go online, jeremybullock.com, and you can see all about my book, Flying Solo. You've been listening to The Book Guys. Can't find any of the jingles. Hey, let's, uh, let's, well, let's do this one. Let's do this one, Jimmy. What's on your? <laughs> what's on your? What uh, are you reading? I, it's on I, your Kindle nightstand. Uh, yeah, Kindle. I, I even forgot to, to, you know, throw in the extra word. We, we got to re-record that jingle so that it has the actual words in it. <laughs> yeah, because you really got to be on top of it. Uh, totally, totally. What are you reading, man? <laughs> I just finished up with a book that uh, is based on a movie called The Godfather. Hmm. Would it be called The Godfather? It is, yes. <laughs> it's based on a movie that had uh, Michael Corleone in it. Did it have Italian people in it? It did. <laughs> and um, there was a lot of was was weddings. Italian and, music? <laughs> and offers you couldn't refuse. But no, in all seriousness... Um, 
I never, never read the book, um, never hollowed the book. Right. But um, you saw the movie. I, I got it from our friends at Brilliance Audio, and now you remember Kaylin? Mm-hmm. She's gone. She got married. She got promoted. She's gone. Now there's a new dude, and uh, he's doing a great job. Um, there was so so much as with anything, any book. There's so much more in it that I wasn't aware of. Uh, they go into a lot more about uh, the weak little brother. What's his name? Uh, Fredo. I mean, he he was like gone they after his dad got shot you know he was just out of the picture forever he was like comatose for a long time and they don't really mention that uh they go into a lot about the the rich movie producer that ended up with the horse in his bed spoiler alert (laughs) yeah spoiler but uh (laughs) um (laughs) and then 40 year old movie (laughs) the, the um the 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 friend uh, that uh, they get get him into that movie. It goes all into his his backstory um, about losing his voice and wanting to become a, a singer or wanting to get into movies because he couldn't sing anymore. And his his wife, ex wife, and and girlfriends, and a friend of his that that sang. Just all this stuff that that really is not part of the movie at all. That was every bit as interesting as all the other parts. Now, now is this is this something that you are you interested now in in moving on to any of the sequels? You know, uh, I hadn't really given it much of a thought. I was I, I was very. I, I listened to this driving down to see my dad in Florida, so that was like nine hours each way. So it was real easy to get engrossed in it, never having to turn on the radio. Uh, not having to fumble around with your iPod or anything, just and you're just, the CD you're just and la- when you're driving with an audiobook, you're just less angry at everyone. Yeah, you are. You're like, ah, go ahead, come on, pull in, pull in. I'm yeah. fine. You ever do go laps ahead. around the house just because you want to finish the chapter? Uh, well, when I got down there, I was maybe ten minutes away from the end of the first CD, and. Um, my dad's coming out to see me, and I'm just holding my finger up, like you know, just a minute, wait, one minute, one minute, be right there. <laughs> and then I held up the phone like I was talking on the phone, but uh, I was really listening to the end of the audio book. I, I hope my dad didn't listen to this. Well, I, I might do one of the sequels here because I'm just seeing that uh, the, the Godfather's Revenge. Uh, I believe this was written was written by Mark Weingartner, not by Mario Puzo, but it's uh, 19 hours of listening to Scott Brick talk. That can't be a bad 19 hours. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm going to put that on my wish list for sure. Yeah, I never thought about those, you know, the expanded books beyond what the movies encapsulated, like the Star Wars universe. There's got to be a Godfather universe. You know, go all the way back to (laughs) Luca Brasi, you know. And and it's probably linked to the Marvel universe somehow. Yeah, I guess so. You know, in in the movie, they never talked about Luca Brasi throwing a baby into an incinerator. They didn't put that on the silver screen, did they? No, there, there's there's yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff in the the Godfather book that's not uh, well. You know, the horse head was a big deal, you know, for that time. So, you know, throwing babies through windows and stuff. Nah, happening. that's old hat. <laughs> that's from the old country. <laughs> that's how business gets done. What well, what what are you? Uh, what do you got there? What are you, what are you reading? I, I'm going to actually, uh, before I, I, well, I, what I'm reading, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm reading. Here we go. 
science fiction. I'm I'm uh, well three quarters away through Casimir Bridge and Gazi series book one by Darren D. Byer. Um, this is uh, the uh, our guest who I believe is going to join us on the next episode or two. He's a former um, NASA shuttle engineer. Now he's an author. And uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I'll talk about it when he's on the show, but I'm enjoying it so far because it's it's almost like, uh, you know how, uh, you know, Tom Clancy spent time on, you know, aircraft carriers because when he writes about aircraft carriers, it's, you know, realistic. Uh, I got a Tom Clancy book two feet from my face. <laughs> Sorry, that's me flipping through the... <laughs> But uh, yeah, you, you, you definitely, uh, it, it, it shines through that Darren is uh, well-researched and uh, knows his space. Knows his space for sure. Mm. An interesting how, how story. Back, how far back does his space shuttle involvement go? Well, that's a good question. We'll have to ask him when we see him. Mm, I just, I just, mm. I don't want to ask him about any of the bad stuff. No, no, definitely. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I do want to ask you a question. Speaking of bad stuff. Uh, piracy. We know it's bad. I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> um, when is it okay to pirate a book? Because I I really want to read some of the old Doctor Who books, and they're out of print. When it, when they're out of print, when the barriers, when there's no it's like Kindle version. A reasonable doubt. If um, you make a more than reasonable attempt to to try to make this available to you, you know. Well, let's put it this way. Most of, any of the, the, the paper, they're paperbacks, first of all. So they haven't, probably haven't worn very well for, you know, 40 years or whatever. Um, they're all in poor condition and, and anyone that's got them on eBay or whatever, they're like a hundred dollars. Wow. That's a, you know, let me do the math here. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's over like 14 grand. I'm, I don't have 14 grand. And certainly not to spend on paperbacks that look like some kid wiped his butt on it. Yeah, has uh, Google got them scanned yet? No, no, not the ones that I've searched so far. But let's just say that they're they are available in other means. Really? And I may or may not have read, you know, a few of them on my Kindle. And uh, hmm. could you OCR those? And you know, optical well, believe character me, rec- recognition believe me, these were then- OCR'd. These were definitely OCR'd because... But I mean OCR them and then get them put in Scott Brick's voice. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, get him to read them. Well, that's the Run thing. There's no audio later. version. They, they could have put at least put them on Kindle, right? Yeah. They would have made, you know, over time, they probably would have made, you know, $5 each off me. Um, but they were definitely... Somebody definitely scanned them with an automated process because every once in a while, it's like... Uh, get a sideways page. No, okay. just the words. <laughs> you know, it's autocorrect. You know what I mean? It's like oh, auto, autocorrect okay. extreme. It. Yeah. Like some, you know, the companion returns to the doctor's dick instead of the doctor's desk, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's, there's quite a few like that. So you kind of, it's almost like, yeah, I, I definitely that wouldn't. That makes you stay focused. Yeah. You, you got to stay laser sharp, <laughs> you know, when uh, a couple of letters are switched here and there. But, but surprisingly enough, the human brain can usually handle them. You know, those little, you know, reversing of letters or whatever, little tiny errors. You kind of just sort of blow through Oh, yeah, that. you gloss right over it. And if and if they're done right and all the letters are there just mixed up, you, you just read it like nothing. You you know something's yeah. wrong, but 
your mind fixes it for yeah, you. Yeah, you, you kind of get through it. But but the, there's a couple of these books that I think that whatever OCR they used had Tourette's, if machines can have Tourette's. Cause, <laughs> oh, man. It dirty on purpose. Yeah, the, 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 this is not the Doctor Who I remember when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm just it's sad that you can't find them anywhere else. And, uh, you know, maybe the BBC just really wants them to go away. You know, maybe these are just part of the canon they don't want around. Who knows? Who knows? Canon. See that that is a that's a word that I've heard in the last year, uh, probably thirty forty times in relation to you know the the history of a show or a book series, and I don't think that in the first forty years of my life I heard that word in that context even twice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely it, it's 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 a new thing of people worrying about canon because I mean nobody really worried you know about the canon between you know like Happy Days and Mork and Mindy, you, you know what I mean? Like you know Mork could do something on Happy Days that you know could change. Nobody really cared. You know, I think this was that was pre Star Trek nerds. I think that's what it was. Well, speaking of uh, podcasts, listen to Joe Rogan and he had Bobcat Goldthwait on. You know who that is. Oh, yes, I do. Hang on. Oh, Podcast. There you go. You're not telling me Bobcat has a podcast. No, but he's a, he's a director. And did you know he used to be the guy who was the director for the Jimmy Kimmel show? No kidding. And he, he worked with uh, another show like that. I don't know if it wasn't. Was it Conan or somebody else? And he did writing and directing and he's doing stuff about uh i don't know if he's so much following bigfoot as he's following the people that follow bigfoot right but he was on you said mork and mindy he was on rogan's podcast and his best friend was robin williams wow i never saw those two yeah don't picture them together you don't picture them together but they you know Bobcat Goldthwait's been doing comedy since 1981, he says, you know, when he was 14 or 15. So, you know, that was kind of interesting. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Check it out. And one of my new favorite podcasts. Oh, here we go. I can throw it down for you. I'm, I'm guessing. That's all right. The Church of What's Happening Now. Oh, The Church with, of What's Happening Now. With Joey Diaz. Hmm. He's, a, he's a comedian. Okay. He was in uh, Spider-Man 3. He was in The Longest Yard. Uh, he's been on a, a, a bunch of movies, Taco Bell commercials. But he's a stand-up comedian from Cuba. And he actually came down to Charlotte two months ago and went down to see him. Funniest guy I've ever seen. And I, he's got a podcast with uh, the Flying Jew who does the the show prep. And he's, uh, you know, he... He does what you do for this podcast. He records it. He mixes it. He makes sure all the bells and whistles are going. But uh, it is funny. He has great guests. And the guy, for for having been in prison and done as much drugs as he's done in his whole life, he can tell you that when he saw Led Zeppelin in 1979 at the Garden, when they opened up their brand new show, it was a Saturday or it was a Tuesday. Wow. It's yeah, it's crazy. Fantastic show. Yeah, I definitely don't have any kind of memory. I already forgot what you just said. Like, <laughs> just saying. Well, 
What, what was I saying about where, where Bob, Bobcat, <laughs> Church of Bobcat happening? And what's our other favorite we were just talking about before, my friend? Because I, I want to play a little clip of this, and i got to ask you a serious question about this podcast. Hang on, let's see if we can... Uh... The lobster, the shrimp, the giant shrimp, the tiger shrimp, the white tiger shrimp, endless varieties of stuff that looks like from Star Wars, things that I can't even pronounce. And I'm pretty good in Japanese, okay? You really... Seriously. And Okay, i got to ask. Okay, first of all, this is just... I love putting this on in the background while I'm doing something. It's like just this insane stream of consciousness coming out of David Lee Roth's head. And the question I want to ask you is, why the hell is there no rock and roll music on the podcast usually? Oh, no, no. you got to listen to season three. And there's a lo- this season that just came out. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally forget forgot that. Because usually it's just like, you know, it's got some dance music in the background. Well, yeah, he's got dance music and he's got numbers from some obscure stuff. You know, he's. He's not just he's he's kind of a renaissance man. Yeah. Um he's into uh learning martial arts and tattooing. He's he's spent a lot of time in Japan and he's definitely a weird cat man and he's full of himself and he knows that he is. And he is the quintessential rock star. Yeah, totally. And uh, thank God for him. You know, I love him to death. I finally went to see Van Halen after uh, after he was gone for so long, and he finally came back. I think it was twenty thirteen. You know, we did a we did a podcast about that. I think uh, on another podcast, which is which is out there in the ether somewhere, right? It is Van Hangover. But yeah, he's he talks about hardly being able to walk. Yeah, just because of all the dance moves and, and stuff that he's done. And oh, yeah. He used to throw himself around on stage like crazy. The Roth Show. Season Roth 3 Show. is out? Yes, it is. You can find it at vhnd.com, which is the Van Halen News Dex. News Desk. See, I just did the autocorrect thing. No, I just go to Downcast and search for podcasts with The Roth Show. There you go. You just search for Every the Roth one Show. of them is different. It's not like he has... Um, opening music and then talks about stuff. Each one of them, I can see why he, nine episodes took him a year to put together. Right, <laughs> they are like you said, stream of consciousness, man. Yeah, totally. They, I mean, it, some of them. It's you're listening to it and you think uh, you wonder if he how much acid he consumed before the show. Oh Same. gosh, I can only imagine. <laughs> but I've got a lot of new podcasts that I'd love to talk about. But I'm going to save them for some of the upcoming yeah. episodes. We're you know? saving the book news too, all the things. And but I, I think, hang on, we forgot to do one thing. Hang on, do we got to do this? Welcome to Rise of Genza. Yeah. Are we going to see if we can finally give away some prizes? Yeah. You know what though? I'm not even going to tell people how they can enter. They got to go to Reddit dot com slash r slash book guys and figure it out for themselves yeah fantastic i got figure I got it out 10 for yourself. Of them right here i'm gonna give away the <laughs> the um goodfellas book i just read about the guy from uh, that other movie with the mobsters mm, what's his face <laughs> yeah puzo <laughs> but yeah i got a bunch of stuff to give away go on awesome Reddit. well i think i think we're at a, 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 a random tron has like 56 people already signed up on that contest page that guy is so, a machine. He 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 certainly is. And uh, uh, spoiler alert: Random Tron might join us uh, next uh, next show as well. 
Say it isn't so. It, it is so. <laughs> you know who else might join us in the near future? My friend, all of our co-hosts. Uh, Father Robert Balliser, Professor Allen. I know they've all been real busy while we've been here grinding away. Craig Damlow. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, Father Robert, Craig Damlow, even Alan Middleton said he might be able to get from underneath the pile of homework and make, a, make an appearance. And I think we're going to start doing uh, a, uh, a little segment that I am calling <laughs> Versus. And uh, we're going to be setting up a, an episode in the near future. And I think the first one's going to be Marvel versus DC. And we're we're going to let uh, no. I was We've got to have Doctor Doom on for that one. I, I was going to say we're going to let the people decide. Now nah, we're going to decide it for the end of the show. We'll we'll decide which is the winner. I can tell you which one's going to win all right now, and it's not the one you think. I think it is. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Well, you never know. Things might. Uh... May, or maybe it is. Or maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> it is. Well, we, we could do quite a few. We could do like, you know, uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars and, uh, you know, some book-related ones too. That's an easy one too. And it's not the one you think I think it is. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some interesting conversation anyways. We'll do a couple of 10-minute segments of those or whole shows. Who knows? We'll talk about it later. Uh, we are going to be back with uh, Darren D. Beyer next episode. That'll be fun, and we'll hopefully we'll get the Padre on too. Yeah, we'll get a we get an update from the brick house and uh, from outer space. That's it's right. going to be groovy, baby. Yeah, that's right. Nice. And uh, if you heard the meowing, that's uh, Sparky wants to be let out of the the room. She's big. Now. Great timing, She's big as now. usual. That's right. We'll see you next time, my friend. Same book time. Same book channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, get, right. get back to hollowing those books, buddy. I will. Fire it up. Yeah. The beer guys. We'll see you next week. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guys Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. Yeah, I gotta let Sparky out of the room. She's going nuts. Ah, Paul, the book guy. <laughs>